The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all this morning. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Gary. And, and here, we, here we are into the early stages of uh, 2023. There's all sorts of chat about uh, possibly interest rates going up. The recession word keeps coming uh, around again. And now the stock market seems to be on a little bit of a run here. Where are we so early in this year? Yeah, what, what a mixed bag of uh, data you just announced there, Scott. You know, you yes, interest rates, there's a, a good chance they may go up again. We're going to be finding out on the 25th of this month. Um, on the same token, you know, this, the R word keeps raising its head. It started off uh, late in last year and um, actually a good part of last year. They said, oh, it won't happen. It will happen. Uh, conflicting information there. And then all of a sudden, we, you know, we ended last year on a fairly OK note, but it's continued right into this year. Um, it was a negative year last year, by the way, in all respects. The U.S. market's down. Every stock market was negative. Um, and for, for that matter, the bond market was also down in general. So everything is kind of negative. But coming into this new year, it's like the opposite of last year. Last year, everything started off <laughs> right out of the gates negative. And this year, we've had like nine, you know, a good run of a good return. And it's up about, say, 4 to 5% in the first couple of weeks in January. So, you know, it's recovered a lot of what it lost in, in 2022. So with this mixed bag, you think, how can the market be going up and yet they're talking about recession? And it's kind of funny there, Gary, I think that's what you're going to be talking about. Yeah, this, this whole topic, uh, thanks, Don, this whole topic about whether we're going to see a recession or whether we're in one and, and, and so on, uh, the, the, the simple answer is no one knows for sure. It's not definitive. Um, but, you know, to your point about last year versus this year, where we're starting from, I mean, when we look at where we are in January of 2023, we're in much better shape than we were January 22, because we came off a banner year with the markets. Here we are now, uh, bond yields are rising, uh, markets are moving forward. So if we're looking at, at sort of square one for 2023, we certainly are in better shape, or at least it bodes, it bodes uh, more favorably for the rest of, of the year, but we'll have to see. But this whole issue about the recession, it's one of the most contested topics throughout the, the, the network of economists you know, across the country. And depending what you read, depending what you hear, depending what day of the week it is, uh, that it's, you know, it's just a, a floating topic in terms of uh, what may happen. There was a comprehensive analysis of the economy that was just released by the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses. And they concluded that the answer to the question <laughs> continues to be uncertain. <laughs> <laughs> and they get paid for that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think what I want to talk about in, in the time we have is, is, is just, you know, what are the things that suggest we might? What are the things that, that are, are working counter to that? So um, in this report, they did, however, indicate that there, there's some signs that a recession could be avoided, at least for now. So, you know, they're, 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 they've got, you know, each foot on either side of the line here. Um, but that's understandable because again, um, there, there's so many variables that come into play, so many moving parts. Uh, but they estimated the last three months of 2022 um, was 1.2% was annualized with, uh, 
with, and then the growth so far this year uh, is, and we're talking about the economy is, uh, is 0.6. So okay. um, the final numbers are coming out, uh, or, you know, anytime now, and, and they may be here uh, by now. We haven't had a chance to, to check, to sort of examine the uh, Q4 of last year. But, but Gary, uh, um, yeah. in, in general, the, re- the word recession, it, it seems like just a bad word, but I guess, you know, the definition is just two negative quarters yeah. of two the economy. Consecutive quarters. And that's, and that's mm-hmm. all it is. So, so we're not, we're not seeing that the economy is still growing and uh, the markets are moving forward. And, you know, again, we touched on the fact that the markets aren't necessarily uh, don't work in concert with uh, whether or not we're going to have a recession. And uh, you know, that's important to understand too. Um, some of their forecasts, this, this, uh, this organization's forecasts, uh, are that the, the slowdown of our, our economy should continue for Q1. So they're not going out too far. And, uh, and, and without, without contracting, and, uh, and if that happens, then their, their position was that, you know, that could suggest that a recession is avoidable. But when you're only going out one quarter, in terms of your projections, that's that's just not sufficient because, yeah. again, as we said earlier, there's there's so many things uh, to factor in. Their inflation forecast is for the consumer price index to lower to 5.7 uh, overall. And and let's remember too that it was over 8%, which we talked about on the show many times back in July. That was sort of the the, the peak. And, uh, and, and if, we're finding both the Canadian and the oh, pretty much worldwide, but certainly North America. The inflation rates have dropped dr- drastically from their highs already. Right, right. And this this issue with inflation, if if it continues to drop, then that obviously is going to be one of the considerations that the Bank of Canada is going to factor into, you know, whatever decisions that they're they're going to make. And it's probably it's probably fair to say that, you know, this all of this has to be uh, worked through in real time because every week things are, are, are adjusting, the numbers that are coming in are changing and so on. So this isn't something that, um, that, that is, uh, is, is definite at this point in time, whether we're going to see one. We, we may likely see one January 25th, uh, but we, we really don't know. And if we do see one, it's, it's suggested it might be a small increase. And so, so why are we even questioning whether there will be or there won't be? In, in past recessions, I don't remember this discussion going on. Uh, is it because there aren't enough convincing indicators to actually say there is going to be one? For example, yeah. the really uh, the unemployment rate. I mean, it's yeah. historically low. Normally, it's the other way around during a recession. Yeah. So why are we debating this so much? That's a great question. And, and to your point specifically, uh, it's because there are so many conflicting indicators. Right. And, and particularly on employment, if anything, they're calling this a soft landing because we have full employment. And so that's just that that's a huge engine in the economy to have people working. So absolutely, Scott, on the same token, inflation is, is kind of and the high interest rates are kind of choking the economy on purpose so that we don't have um, don't have high inflation, which is one of the biggest cancers for a retirement. So, yeah, absolutely. There's so many different factors that are going into this, which makes it very difficult for anybody to kind of predict. Yeah. And now now the 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 unemployment rate. Uh, is is actually or, or the employment rate? That's the way we tend to look at things right now. It's um, it's actually it actually softened a little bit in the fourth quarter, uh, very marginally. It softened a little bit in the fourth quarter. That could be time of year. That could be a whole host of things. But um, in the fourth quarter of last year, there were six hundred sixty-five thousand 
uh, jobs that went unfilled, according to Statistics Canada. And they were mainly, in, and it's no surprise, it was mainly in the personal services sector, construction and hospitality. And we're, we're still seeing that. You, all we have to do is when we're driving around to see all the uh, one added or job uh, wanted ads that we uh, we see posted everywhere. Yeah. You know, so um, so obviously encouraging business investment uh, is very difficult. It's a very difficult thing now because because of these fears of a potential recession, this this big R word that's, you know, that's talked about on, a, on an ongoing basis and uh, and, and, you know, rising prices that we're we're experiencing across the board. It, it makes the planning uh, landscape for so many companies very difficult right now. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of investment that's going on in, in uh, technology, obviously, but a lot of that too is, is out of necessity to make up for the lack of, of uh, people, the lack of workers. So, um, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a, a catch 22. Um, some of the research data that they also came up with is said that businesses are willing to invest in technological solutions. Um, but if, and when the, the, the worker, shortage situation remedies itself, then there won't be as much of a, of a, a focus on that. That's one of the, the conclusions that they, they, they arrived at. So let's talk about the, the economists who, who do believe that we're going to experience a recession. So many are touting, uh, uh, as Don alluded to, and we've talked about before, a, a soft landing. In other words, it's not going to be a significant recession if, we, if that technical definition actually occurs of, of two successive negative quarters of growth. Um, it appears now that, that a lot of economists had, had underestimated the, the resilience of the economy. So uh, once, once things start to, to darken in terms of the skies, it, uh, it can cause a lot of, of uh, pundits, a lot of analysts to look at things through a little different lens. And as a result, some of the forecasts, some of the conclusions that they, they draw are, are not as positive. And if we're hearing all the time that we're headed for a recession and we're hearing about the cost of living and we're bombarded and, and we're experiencing that, I mean, we go grocery shopping or we, we fill up our car, et cetera, et cetera. So um, when we're bombarded with that, then, you know, that does impact uh, the situation for, for a lot of people. You know, Gary, we were talking about indicators and just a second ago, well, so much of this is seems to be behavioral in the sense that if people think there's a recession coming, well, we got to batten down the hatches and don't spend money, honey. I mean, yeah. how much of it is triggered by behavior? Absolutely. Human behavior is such a, such a driver with everything. And you know, the pandemic, we can't rule out the, and this is what a lot of economists are, are, are uh, talking about too, is that the pandemic uh, contributed to such a unique environment where people were building up savings. You know, we just weren't, we weren't spending money. And, um, and then there was this pent up demand because people decided that because they can't go out and do things, they're going to spend some of that money to purchase things. So of course that, even though the supply chain issues were what they were, um, you know, certainly uh, there was, there was significant demand that, that really just made that a more difficult situation. So, um, every time something that was interesting uh, that they, that they reported on was that, um, for those that believe that, uh, you know, that we're going to see a recession is, uh, every time in the post second world war era, 
the Bank of Canada has raised interest rates by four percentage points or more when they have done that, there has been an economic downturn that followed uh, in the form of a recession. So that's what some strict economists are, are looking at in terms of what they anticipate. So, you know, there's, there's lots of positive signs that, that we may not experience one or that we'll work through it. Or if there, if there is one, it's going to be mild. But then we also have a lot of things going on in the world, right? We have the friction in China, Iran, uh, North Korea, and obviously the, the Russian invasion, all these geopolitical things that are still active and still ominous out there. So, you know, in terms of human behavior, as you mentioned, Scott, uh, a lot of people's actions are affected by how they feel. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right. Uh, if you're uh, thinking or even looking off in the horizon about uh, retiring, you should listen up. Uh, four phases of retirement. Uh, boy, this sounds like a long period of time, Don. It is. All retirement is getting longer and longer. And you know what? It's it, it, it's behavioral. This is and again, going back to what Gary's talking about with recession, human behavior. If they make a, a make a jump to saying I'm going to invest based on what I hear, um, often emotion and money do not mix. In fact, I would say always emotion and money do not mix. So all this recession talk and negative talk that we're hearing. Um, is, is causing, you know, some very bad decisions. This is where you need to speak to your financial advisor to make sure they're putting on a right track, a great game plan, so that you're accomplishing your goals and, you know, putting away all that noise. So that's on the financial side, but this is hold this whole uh, financial re readiness. It's interesting. When you do a quiz, am I able to retire? Almost everything is about, can I afford to? And in fact, I would suggest most of the time our show is talking about how much do you need to save? What are the tax ramifications? What's the best? How do you create that retirement paycheck for yourself? You know, and in and, and looking through your expenses and factoring inflation and should, can I afford a new car X amount of times every so often? You know, and these are all financial things. But what we're finding is, and we had a, for a long time called a, a financial um, a retirement readiness quiz. And it went through some of the soft issues. And this has come up in, in light in the last, twice in the last week, actually, where somebody was talking about the retirement and how they had a very, what they know somebody had a very poor retirement, not because they couldn't afford retirement. They just were lousy at being retired. And then another one said, was talking about another person that was a phenomenal retiree, had a fantastic retirement and he's still going strong. So again, it's, what was the difference? It isn't money. And because we spent, most of our time through school, extreme, you know, then into the workforce, trying to achieve goals. And retirement's like this abyss. So, you know, here we are, and there's a lot of people in this kind of quagmire right now. And because baby boomers 
are from 1946 to 1965. And back in, 19, in 1966, they represented 41.7% of the population. So you can see this population like go through the snake, if you will. You see that big ball is going through. And it is now 24.9% um, of the population. And I am 60. I'm in uh, 1963. So I'm at the tail end of the boom. And so you can say that, you safely save that the Don, vast majority uh, Don, over 60. Don, I'm with you. And change your language, fella. We are not baby boomers. We're the first Gen Xers, man. I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> not, people, not according people came, to the stats. No, no, no. And I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll analyze the stats later. But, you know, okay. people, who, people who came back from the war were still not having babies in the 60s. I mean, I think by that time, <laughs> the curve had already started to turn. But I'm just yeah. saying. Oh, uh, yeah. It's kind of funny, though. Our kids, Scott, are generally <laughs> what they call millennials. And that is the next biggest group, which is about 21 and a half percent. So we're like the they're like the echo of the boom. And so, yeah, my son will always say, oh, you're just a boomer. And so it is what it is. But it is what's happening, though, is a lot of people are, are nearing that retirement age, regardless of where we are, Scott. OK, we can at least say that. OK, and, but the life expectancy is going up. So you go back in 1950, life expectancy was 68. You, you know, retired 65, three years, and, uh, you, you know, and that was it. You didn't have to plan a long ways. In fact, you're probably in your honeymoon stage of retirement, and you never got out of it because it was only three years long. Um, now, to, it's a long period. It's a, it's a whole new phase of your life, really. And so what this uh, I was reading was talking about the four major phases of retirement. And the first phase being that vacation or honeymoon stage. It lasts about a one to two years. It has very little structure as most vacations do. You, you're not normally doing what you were doing before. You get up in the morning, you think, okay, what am I up to today? And you, and you really don't have a routine per se. It's like, it's almost like a dream. For those that have been working hard all their life, they love the fact that they have no routine. It's extremely selfish. You can do whatever you want because I'm retired now. And it says, this is what I want to do which might be nothing for that matter. You know, a and lot of recent retirees are using that now with their partners or their spouses by saying, hey, I, uh, I got the data myself. I can do whatever I want. It's funny you bring up spouses, <laughs> Gary. <laughs> they get to spend a lot more time with their spouse. And yeah, that may be good or bad. Um, I, I would suggest it's actually, to the most part, um, it's, it's a big conflict because they both had routines together. And that throws out that in the out of the window too. That was and very uh, delicate. That was very delicately put, by the way. You can tell you, this Scott. isn't your first rodeo. <laughs> or in other words, one has marked their turf at home, <laughs> and the other one's in the way. A hundred percent. I recently I had a retiree said, "I have been sent to the basement. Uh, get out of my kitchen. Get out of my living room. Get out of my area. This has been my area for thirty years." And now your area is not here. I didn't need to retire to get that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's interesting. Like I said, this is phase one and you get to do all your hobbies and that bucket list and the to-do list. You want to get around the house. It's a, uh, it's that honeymoon stage and it's great, but it gets old and you realize, okay, this is really very egotism of me. It's very selfish of me. It's like, it's a real, and some people never leave the stage, by the way. They love the stage. <laughs> They'll stay there all the time. But 
generally speaking, a lot of people, most people go to phase two, which is this feeling of loss or feeling lost because all of a sudden they've plunged into this abyss I mentioned, or like an, you're really in, in, insignificant. You, you've dropped from the top. You might've had a great job and you're no longer adding value. You used to have that and you had this identity, particularly men. I, I would suggest more men go through this um, identity crisis from work than women do. Um, but it is, uh, it's almost a, a, a somewhat of a depression they go through. In fact, it's in the top 10 traumas of people that people face in period in their life is this stage two of feeling where am I now? And, and they have to repurpose and cause they were success driven. You know, you went through before school, you had sports and in during school, you had sports and probably also, also, but also school and getting A's or getting B's or, or making it to college and then continuing and going up the ladder and work and, and being a, a part of your identity. And this is who, you know, you are. And all of a sudden you drop from that to like, okay, um, what do I do now? And it's okay to have all those, uh, you know, I'm going to golf every day. Great. But also there's a lot of uh, your friendships. A lot of these are tied to work. And it's interesting, as much as you say, I'm going to keep in touch, you've started to lose some of the common ground that you used to talk about, you know, and, and so it, it's not the same. So you see, maybe you might keep a few of those friends. But and you're used to doing the one and five year plans. Well, now you're getting up. You don't have any of these. So, as you mentioned, invading your spouse's space. Um, this is, uh, you know, often you'll see a lot of people going through uh, spouse therapy okay, during this time and trying to get through that. It sounds like phase two is the time when um, we go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's un- you know, there's unavoidable losses in phase two. You lose structure. You lose your identity. Um, you lose relationships from work mainly. You lose a sense of power that you might have had at work, and you somewhat lose your sense of purpose. You go through all five of these, and so it's a tough stage. And you got to come out of this. Or what ends up happening often is there is um, people start to get into addiction issues, alcohol, drug abuse, what have you, and uh, and and they just seek help. So it's a it's this feeling of it's a quagmire, really is. So then what do you do? Thank God you get to stage three, or perhaps you just go back to stage one and start traveling again and playing golf. One of the two. Okay. But stage three is, uh, is trial and error. You think, okay, how can I start to contribute again? What am I missing? What do I need? What would make me feel good? And you start to look for options and you start saying, okay, I'm going to try this. And the nice thing about this, you're financially fine. You've gone through all the finances. You're, you're all good. You, your, your financial planner says, okay, you can retire. But this is why I often talk to people. I have one, one gentleman I talk to all the time. He asked me, Don, can I retire yet? And I often just say, no, you can't. He financially is fine, but he cannot retire. He's getting so much enjoyment of what he's doing right now. He has to find another avenue to take place so that will fulfill him again. And he's having a ball doing what he's doing. So it's, it is more than simply the money. It's, you know what? And I often, we often talk about Gary, there's a big difference from, you know, retirement and, and financial independence, you know, being financially independent allows you to do whatever you want, which might be retirement. Mm -hmm. Okay. It may be retirement. It may not be. And so, 
and there's a lot of uh, people that work into their, you know, um, 70s, 80s, and they're and they found so much fulfillment on it. It's not really work because they love to do what they're doing. So, so in phase three, you try it and move on. I have a, I, I would suggest I have one friend of mine that is, I say, the best retiree I know. He retired. He had a high, you know, a very tough job, a lot of stress went on and started doing all the projects and traveling, doing stage one, then on to stage two, trying to figure out what he's going to do. Um, and it was, it didn't last long because he went on to stage three quick, quickly and says, you know what? I'm going to be a postman. Tried that. Lasted like two weeks, got his first check, says, not, not for me. On to something else. He needed to find another job, even though he didn't need the money, he wanted to do something. So, Don, what you're saying is, sorry, Don, what you're saying, though, is retirement planning is not just about the finances, of course. Before people retire, a lot of thought really should go into what is it going to look like in terms of my lifestyle, the things that are going to interest me, motivate me, and so on. 100%. Yeah, you think think more than just the money. And I I think most don't. And I know, Gary, you know, we all talk about in our our meetings about a lot more than money. This is uh, going on. Okay, what's your day going to look like? How are you going to feel? You know, it's nice to say, okay, what was your dream goal? It might be vacationing. It might be whatever it is. But if you have to golf every day, golf used to be fun, but now it's a chore because it's a routine. And that might still be fun. But you know what? I find out there's some very serious retirees that golf. They're taking too much pressure on the golf game because they're they're basically moved work to golf. Right. Right. Okay. So this is stage three is trial and error. Um, and, and really, at the end of the day, we're, the brain is, is set to achieve things. It's, set, it's, it's a very efficient machine. It's like a bicycle. You know, when it's moving fast, it's very efficient, gets there quickly. But when it starts to move slowly, it becomes harder to steer. And eventually, if you stop a bike, it just falls. You can't keep riding. It just falls. So that's kind of the analogy. Now, stage four, this is the good one, though. This is where you reinvent and I had one client called refocusment. He didn't say, I'm not re, I didn't make it. I didn't go into retirement. I went into refocusment and he changed everything. This is a doctor client of mine. And these people are the happiest people there are as far as retiring. Um, some, many, many don't even hit stage four. There's, they just keep going back to stage one and then back into stage three and then back into stage one. Um, this is important to go. If you can get to this stage, this is where you really have to do a little introspection. Take a look what makes you tick. What is your unique ability? What do you really, what's your skill set? In fact, ask your friends what your unique ability is. They may have a better idea than you do. Um, and, and then you look at, so what are your high points before retirement? What were the things that you say, these are the best points of my life? And what were they? And then try to find that thread between your unique ability and what got you to these highest points of your life. And you may actually find, okay, here's a, here's an option for me. You know, Harvard, a Harvard study of 15,000 retirees, they found that the most unhappiest retirees um, had not gone on onto anything productive other than pleasing themselves. Meaning they never got out of stage one. They just kept doing things that were selfish and they never were that happy. So, so at the end of the day, it's finding this unique ability Find that passion and then find um, what really makes a difference. You know, and, and then you look at it and say, there's a sweet spot where you can add some value. And this is, you know, and, and again, it might be volunteering. It might be 
working part-time. It might be getting physically fit. Um, in fact, I would say that most people that go that route particularly are happier. And if I look at my retiree friend, he went one day a week, he volunteers, three days a week, he's working at, a, at another job. He loves it, actually. They keep offering more hours. He said, nope, I'm good. Oh, I can get your management job. Nope, I'm good. You know, he just enjoys what he's doing. He's not there for the money. And he's, he's lost some weight. He's in a lot more physical. Um, he's riding a bike a few days a week in, in, in fitness classes, having a ball. And I think, what a trifecta of success. Because at the end of the day, you, you're a successful retirement may not be how much money you left to your kids. It's how happy you are during that stage of life. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Donfox.net to find out more. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Boy, you know, I, I'm thinking as, as we bring in this next segment, how there's just so many trains of thought we seem to be heading into this new year, whether it's inflation or, or recession. But your next segment... What the heck is with housing? I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's another yeah, and, issue. And and what the heck is going on with the housing market, right? And 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 why? But I, I think the best way to kind of frame that is is uh, you know, the old saying, everything that's old is new again. And and we've been through this before. You know, people who have experienced a home ownership over the years have certainly been through this this type of thing before. So you know, let's start with so Royal LePage uh, put out a report and and they said that the median, I, I'm going to say first that they said the median price of a home in Canada in the fourth quarter of 2022 uh, resulted in that average, that median price, I should say, uh, resulted in the first year over year decline since the end of 2008. And we all know what happened in 2007, 2008, and into Q1 of 2009. So that's, that shouldn't really come as any, any real shock. Um, because that, of course, was the was that period of time where we had that quote and unquote financial crisis. So the the median price across the country in Q4 of 2022 was about 750 thousand. Now, um, and that was about three percent uh, down from the end of 2021. Now, what we have to, of course, realize is that our areas here. You know the GTA, the Greater Hamilton area, into Niagara, and so on. Uh, the Golden Horseshoe. Uh, our our uh, average or median prices are much higher. They have been much higher, but that that was a, a national study um, that they that they looked at. Now um, it's interesting to point out that that uh, this year over year drop that we've experienced, um, when you actually break it down, uh, single family detached homes was a drop of 3.7. Condominiums, and this may surprise us and, and our, our, our listeners, of course, but condominiums actually increased in value by 1.4%. Hmm. So is that, or was that 
um, because of the, the, the demand that took place, um, you know, over the last couple of years, uh, it, it's really, for me, it's really hard to explain why that was the case, but condominiums went up in value. Well, I think maybe they didn't actually do very well during the pandemic. Right. That's um, true. People were moving out of the city centers and moving out into the, out the outskirts. So maybe yeah, that, people moving back in, going back to yeah. work. That's yeah. awesome. And yeah. creating affordability. Right, right. So that, that, I thought that was an interesting point. Um, so this, this year-over-year decline that we've, we've experienced now, uh, first since, since uh, 2008, uh, we, should fact, we should realize, too, to put things in perspective, because perspective is always so important, right? Um, that uh, that the, the 2019 to 2020, 20 year end, and then the following year, uh, the values of homes, the, the median values of homes were, were higher than pre-pandemic levels to the tune of 17% and 19%. So, uh, so when we, we think about what's happened with housing prices, when they have gone down so much in the past number of months, the, really the, the latter half of 2022, uh, we have to, you know, we have to realize, and, and again, this is what I was getting at before with, with people who have experienced the housing market for some time, uh, the, the values before the pandemic were lower, but it doesn't feel that way. It feels like we're on a, you know, we're on this, this fast train going, going downwards, which, which isn't really the case. Um, now the activity levels uh, are what the main thing or the main reason why uh, why things have changed is because they're you know activities down sharply right so what we experienced during the, the the pandemic was this eruption this eruption of buying and and you know bidding wars and 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 all those all that activity the 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 lack of uh, being able to do your due diligence when you were interested in buying a home basically lining up and having these blind auctions kind of thing. So, so panic buying. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're, and, and overinflated prices, right? So we're, we're past that. Now we're at a time where, where people are able to do their due diligence. And a lot of people are just uh, the reason, one of the reasons that activity is where it is right now, obviously, because people are concerned about rising uh, inflation and interest rates and so on. That's, that's obvious. But also, too, people are saying, well, I'm going to wait and see what happens with this housing market. Is it going to go down more? Uh, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to make any moves until things seem to, to settle a little bit. So, um, you know, and we also, we're also past the point now where so many deals fell apart, where people through that panic buying, Don, uh, people committed to something and then realized, oh my God, I, I've overpaid by $200,000 for this. Oh, yes. I'm trying to get out of it sort of thing. And there was an um, article earlier on this week about condo buyers who are walking away before the building's even complete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and builders coming and saying, uh, yes, that was two years ago that you paid your, your deposits and so on, but now it's a hundred thousand dollars more. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's happening too. So, so there's a, there's a shortage of homes, uh, on the market and, and, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see where that sort of falls out over time, but people are taking their time. Uh, it's a healthier, it's a healthier market. Now it was a very unhealthy market, uh, during the, the, the pandemic, so at some point, we're going to see interest rates stabilize. We're going to see interest rates stabilize and, uh, and possibly down the road drop. And again, that will be another different chapter of what happens with the process of home buying. 
We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to end off uh, today's show with understanding how much RSP room you've got. Yes, thanks, Scott. And yes, it's RSP season. We're into it now. And it's kind of interesting. Um, it used to be kind of straightforward way, way back. You you knew how much RSP room you had, but now it's been cumulative for a long period of time now. And so your RSP room is actually, the best way to find it is look at your notice of assessment. It's got all the data. Um, as far as the maximums going, for those that want to not only look after their 22 RSP, they're looking at their 23 RSP limit. So some people like to contribute the max right at the beginning. And it makes a lot of sense because they, um, you, you know, get that much more compounding. You got the whole year of growth. And after a negative year like last year in terms of the investments, it may be a good time to double up right now, do this year's and last year's. But last year's limit um, if is 18% up to 29,210. Well, that means you need to make 162,277 just to make that limit. And next year, our 23's limit is actually 30,780. It's a 5.4% increase. Again, you now need to make $171,000 to create that limit. So that's why it's so difficult. It's, it's, it's 18% of this, but it goes further than that. So if you look at your notice of assessment, the first line says RSP deduction limit for for 21, like 2021. And let's say it was 36,000. Well, then you look at, okay, minus the contribution you made, and let's say you maxed it right out. You put in the 36,000. So this is what, probably why you got a nice refund last year, perhaps. Um, so then you look at, okay, 18% of my 21 income to a maximum of 29,210, which is the number I mentioned. And in this particular one I'm looking at, that their income worked out to, they could put in 19,601. So there, there, a lot of people would say, okay, that's good. That's what I can put into my RSP. Oh, wait a minute, slow those guns down a bit here. You now have to look at this 2021 pension adjustment. Well, what the heck is that? Well, this pension adjustment is what you or your employer has put into your, your pension. Now, this is where I, uh, quite often I'm talking to clients and I like to see their, their work benefit book. And I say, okay, do you have a group RSP? Okay, yeah, and, and my company matches it. Well, are they matching the group RSP? Or are they matching into a separate category called a pension, which might be a defined contribution pension plan? And whatever goes into that pension adds to your pension adjustment, which comes up the following year. It doesn't affect how much you put into your RSPs this year. So again, this is why this notice of assessment is so important. In fact, in this particular case, the one I'm looking at right now, her contributions are going to a pension 
and they're being matched by the employer also putting it into a pension. So it's quite, you know, and there's very, you know, everybody's got a different game. I know I just last week I saw the exact opposite. Their contribution was going to a group RSP. The employers is going to a group RSP, which really is difficult to track because you have to know that amount before you contribute with your financial advisor, because you may end up adding too much. So in this case, uh, the pension adjustment was 9,422. Okay, well, that means that they have a deduction limit of 10,180 in this example I'm looking at right now. And say, so, okay, perfect, I can put in 10,180. And this is where I find a lot of people have made mistakes. They simply look at their RSP deduction limit for 10,180 and that's it, case closed. Again, if your financial planner is not asking for your notice of assessment in your tax return, you, you may be making a lot of mistakes because that for me, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going blind in an appointment without that information. In this particular case, this client had unused RSP contributions reported and available for deduction in 22 of $10,000. What that means is this person had put in an additional $10,000 and didn't claim it because they already claimed all they could the previous year. And that probably was done in the first 60 days of the year where you can use it for one year or going forward. And so even though it said the RSP deduction limit was 10,180, they've, they've already put in 10,000 they didn't claim. They only have RSP room of $180. So extremely important to bring out the notice of assessment because the next line says available contribution room for 22 was 10 was $180. Okay, so it actually says that, but it's that one line that messes a lot of people up because they don't realize that when you put money into an RSP, you don't have to claim it. In fact, we talk about many times of monitoring your tax brackets and making sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck. So Gary and I will often go, okay, well, let's bring your income down and get it out of that 43.41% tax bracket. So we're gonna bring your income in 22 to 10,000, sorry, 100,393. And so we'll just get it to that level so that you're not using deductions at lower brackets. And so this is quite obvious why, why we postpone some of this RSP room. And Don, to your point about notices of assessment, there are a lot of people, they get through the exhaustion of tax season and so on. Uh, they get their notice of assessment. They slap that piece of paper in with their records, and that's and that's it. It's put away. It's over. But to your point, yes, it's so important to utilize that going forward. And so, every listener out there, grab that notice of assessment, grab the tax return, and make sure you bring it to your your to your financial planner to make sure they're giving you the best advice. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another award-winning show, gentlemen. Thanks so much for the time. We'll chat next week. <laughs> the preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.